I thought about it and I talked to my wife about it. We said a prayer or two together and we just said, okay, let's sit down. Let's cut the budget. Let's figure out where we can cut on the budget to see what we can do to save up to try and make this dream happen. Hi, you're listening to That Really Happened, Unbelievable Real Estate Stories. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman. If you're a real estate investor, this is the podcast for you. Our guest speakers will bring you amazing, intriguing, and unbelievable stories about real estate investing. The stories will be an honest and transparent account about what it actually means to invest in real estate. You'll hear stories that investors don't usually share. Stories about hardships, breaking points, painful truths, and surprising realizations. Sometimes there's a happy ending, and sometimes the story ends very differently than you would expect. So let's get the show started. Hey guys, welcome to That Really Happened. I'm Ellie Perlman, your host broadcasting from sunny California. When I'm not behind the mic, I buy multifamily properties with passive investors who partner with me on my deals. If you enjoy the podcast, please take a minute to rate us, me and my team, who, you know, we've been working really hard on this show, would appreciate it a lot. And today I'm hosting Michael Beeman. So Michael was struggling with a blended family of seven kids and his corporate salary of 60,000 was not making ends meet. Michael started a side business split in firewood and he was bringing in an additional 15,000, but he wanted to do more than just to survive. He wanted his family to thrive. So he started listening to multifamily podcasts and real estate audiobooks while he was cutting and delivering firewoods. And by May of 2017, Michael had saved up $12,000. Today, Michael has a 130-unit portfolio, and he is retired from his salary position. So Michael will share with us the story of how he bounced back from financial ruin back in 2016 and became a full-time real estate investor and managing partner in multiple LLCs that have 130 doors. His story is one that what his wife calls the American dream. Hey, Michael, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we kind of share probably similar backgrounds and, you know, growing up in a family of, you know, with struggling parents and, and trying to survive and get out of survival mode, which I think is the hardest thing to do, because when you're trying to understand where you're going to bring your next hundred dollars, it's really hard to think, kind of think outside of the box and, and okay, how do I even become wealthy or financially, you know, free. Here, yes. Yeah. So why don't you tell us your story and kind of walk us through kind of where you are right now? So if you go back to like to the bankruptcy in 2016, it was something that I had to do to clear off some past debt from my uh, previous marriage. You know, we always all have those mistakes that we make in life. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, but I got custody of the kids. I got custody of the kids. And so I, you know, I pushed forward and I was uh, working for the family business, making 60,000 a year. And I met my wife and she had three kids from a previous marriage. Oh, wow. And uh, we got married. And so we got, we got married. We had one together. We were so smart. <laughs> so <laughs> we had one together. We got married. And so now all of a sudden it was a little easier when I had just three kids and me to handle it on a 60,000 a year. And so I was kind of coasting along doing that and enjoying life. And so at the time, 
I was looking at things and Christmas was coming. And I remember my wife and I looking over the budget and we we're like, man, this is going to be really tough because it was our first Christmas. And so I said, I said, you know, I used to split firewood when I was like 18. I'll bet I could do that again. And I wasn't 18 anymore. So it was a lot harder <laughs> on my back and my body. <laughs> But it was helping out to make ends meet. But I just had this mindset where I was like, man, I cannot work this hard forever to just make ends meet. I got to figure something else out. So I started, I always was thinking that these landlords are making really good money on the properties that I rent. Obviously, being that I was probably just a better renter than most of the people out there. But <laughs> so that made me have a, that made me have more of a positive attitude towards it. So I started learning. So I started listening to podcasts and reading books. I read just a ton of books on apartment building investing, multifamily investing. And so then I got so excited. So I was telling my brother and my mom about it. And I was like, just excited, pumped about it. And I was like, Hey, you guys should join me on this. We'll put this, we'll pull, pull our money together and we'll do this together and we'll get this done. And they shot me down. So they were oh. like, no, this isn't something that I really want to do. Sounds a little bit risky. And so they shot me down. So I just kept going. I kept uh, saving some money. And when I was talking about the business, and this would have been late 2016, only about eight months, nine months after I had filed bankruptcy, and was talking about the business to one of my buddies. He said, you know what? My grandmother, as it happens, passed away and I inherited some money. I would like to throw in, what would you give me if I threw in $20,000 with you? And at 12, and I said, I'll give you 25% of everything I do. And so then my mom heard about it. Apparently, she kind of wanted to invest with me the first time, but she didn't want to go against my brother's wishes either and feel like she was favoring me. But now that she, I had another partner, she kind of got excited. She got on board and she said, will you give me 25% for 20000 which worked out better for me because I wasn't even asking for that much at the beginning when I started. And so... You know, now I had a pool of about $50,000, a couple of people that would help me because I had had a bankruptcy. It was going to be a little more difficult for me to get financing. So having them on the team actually helped me early on. Now it's a lot easier, obviously, a few years later. So, so wait a minute, when you, you mentioned that you were going through bankruptcy, what happened there? I had to file bankruptcy because I was clearing off some old debt from whenever I was previously married. My ex-wife and I had two salaries. I let her off the hook on all the debt in the agreement so that I could have custody of the kids. I and see. She said she would let me be custodial parent and she would just get her, you know, allotted time like she was the dad because I had been real close with the kids and she agreed to that. And then uh, so I had to clear that off. Because it was just stuff that I was probably not going to ever be able to catch up and pay. Got it. You know, debt from two salaries when it was back down to one. Wow, that's devotion right there. <laughs> yeah. So then we, we kind of got excited. We were pumped. We were like, okay, what are we going to do? So I was talking one, one evening with an, a different friend of mine who had come over just to visit, have a couple drinks or whatever. And I said, I was telling him what my plans were. And he was like, you know, I have uh, my, my girlfriend's mom used to manage this apartment building. She says it sits empty. It's six units and it needs some work, but the guy's just giving it away practically. So I said, okay, let's go take a look at it. And that was kind of the beginning of my story. And that's, you know, that's where it went. Interesting. So you came, you, you basically started with nothing, with huge debt. You had to file for bankruptcy and then you got remarried and started to think, where am I going to bring money? How am I going to support my family? I started this new initiative and, and slowly started to gain, you know, more traction and more partners, mm -hmm. including your mom. Yeah. What happened with your brother? I'm just curious. 
he still he still works at the family business. Mm -hmm. uh, he still makes 50, 60 grand a year and he enjoys that. And I still see him at family events and stuff since I don't work for the family business. So my mom just got back from Florida. So I'm actually going to go see him this coming Sunday. We're all having to get together at her house. So. Got it. But no hard feelings. Just it wasn't the path for him, I guess. Yeah. Hey, and that happens, you know, and, and it's, it's great that you are able to maintain, you know, to have a good relationship with him after all. I mean, it's, I mean, by the end of the day, it's only business. I think it's pretty clear that you're, you have uh, your, your values and, you know, are very much aligned with family values. So. Yeah. 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 So I have no hard feelings at all. Mm -hmm. And since that was the family business, it's a, family business, it's a sawmill. They have, you know, 20 or so employees. So I pop in and I like to see how they're doing. And mm -hmm. actually they're still thriving and the business is still going. And so I'm happy for them, but we're off doing our own thing now. So got it. It's uh, late 2018. I've been essentially retired. So how did you get, you're saying that you're retired now. How did you get from hearing about a six unit apartment building to where you are today to own, you know, 130 units? Well, that was uh, creative. <laughs> so, <laughs> so basically that six unit, what we did was we ended up taking it and we put, you know, about $30,000, $40,000 into it, got it rented up. Then we did a triplex next. And then we did another triplex after that. Mm -hmm. I had worked with a commercial lender that our family business works with. So we had a good track record of 15 plus years with my mom's name on it, which helped me a lot in getting financing on stuff, you know, being able to get 20% down financing or being able to refinance and cash out when I found the good deals. And so, uh, you know, it was just kind of a snowball from there. I mean, kind of the same thing as everybody else's stories, except that I was just starting out with that. Now we did end up selling at the end of 2018, we sold off six units because there was a, there was, you know, nearly a six figure profit involved. And one of the things that we've figured out at times, we're very good at management. We're very good at doing deals, finding the right deals and being aggressive and all of those things. But sometimes we're short on cash. The honest truth of it is we didn't start with a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And so seeing a six figure payday that would be able to help us put some in the coffers for finding the next good deal was uh, something we went ahead and let go. Uh, you know, you hate, I hate selling. I hate selling. <laughs> <laughs> I always say that the best way to sell is not sell anything. <laughs> it is. It probably is. I don't it like selling is. either. Yeah. You know, it's, it's no. not. But sometimes yeah. you do some, you do some things to get a little bit creative mm -hmm. and you know, now we're working actually some of our current stuff, we're working with investors, 62 of our 130 units are directly worked with uh, just outside investors through syndication. And we're working with some other investors going forward on maybe some, maybe some future syndications. So. Wow. That's great. And so I actually want to take you back to the moment where you're splitting firewoods and you're cutting them and you're working hard. It's probably cold. It's Christmas time. You're outside yeah. and you're not 18 years old anymore. It's, it's not as easy. <laughs> yeah. And you started your real estate journey there, right? You were, yes. you started yeah, to listen to podcasts. It, Can you tell me more about that? Okay. So it's like everybody else. I had read rich dad, poor dad, probably 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. So that had kind of stuck in my day, my head a little bit, but uh -huh. it was, and I read richest man in Babylon. So that had stuck in my head a little bit, but the idea that of even having extra money to set aside was kind of like that, uh, that's going to be tough. <laughs> so 
but I just, at that point in time, I just, so I, I thought about it and I talked to my wife about it. We said a prayer or two together and we just said, okay, let's sit down. Let's cut the budget. Let's figure out where we can cut on the budget to see what we can do to save up, to try and make this dream happen. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where it started. Just, and then we, <laughs> then it steamrolled. So from there. And how do you have that mental capacity to think, I really want to, you know, I want to get into real estate. I want to do great things. And right now I'm in this position where I have, you know, a family to support. I'm making 60,000. I can bring another 15 by working outside in, in the snow and the cold. How can someone really, you know, I'm always interested in, in understanding people's, you know, state of mind and their journey. How do you even go from, yeah, from survival to thinking yeah. about thriving financially? I've always had an entrepreneurial mindset because my dad, obviously that, that family business that I was working at, my dad built that business from something that him and his brother were working together, you know, 20 years ago, just the two of them to, you know, business that handles $4 million a year in gross revenue and, and has 20 some employees. So I had a little bit of that in me because I had worked with him growing up and I'd watched it happen. So I had some of that in my, in the back of my head. And I was just like, you know, you're meant for more. You're not meant to live like this. You're meant for more. And so I just, you know, that's just the mindset that I had. And that's why I even started the firewood business. It was just obvious that that wasn't something that was a permanent option for me. Got it. That's interesting. And where, where are you today? So you have, you mentioned that you have, you know, you have a portfolio of multiple assets, close to a hundred and you said 130 units. units. Where do you go from here? Right now, I enjoy being able to focus on real estate. So that's been a joy for me for the past few months since I think I quit right there before Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. So I I enjoy being able to focus on real estate. So right now, like yesterday, we went and looked at a 64-unit building that needed needs a ton of work. And we're looking at it with some investors. And so this morning, I had a deal on a 15-unit that I kind of had to shoot in the foot because I just... I was in there and I realized the amount of work it was going to take and the return on investment wasn't going to be great. And I'm kind of trying to move my mindset a little farther away from the smaller 10 and 15 unit buildings now and to look a little bit larger. And so now that's what we're doing. We're getting creative. We're looking for good deals. Midwest is great cash flow. We're looking for cash flow. And so that's what we're doing right now. That's our location. And my wife made me promise uh, four or five years, I got to shut it down a little bit and be willing to do some vacations and possibly even <laughs> warmer climate. So, <laughs> Oh, that would be great. That would be, I mean, you can still buy in the Midwest and, and live elsewhere. I mean, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I live in California and Santa Monica. I don't buy anything here. One, and one and a half percent, uh, you know, cap rate is not attractive to me. <laughs> no, I can imagine not. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I do hop on a plane once, twice a week and I go see properties in Texas and Florida. But yeah, I think definitely, I mean, come to, come to the sun, come to the warm weather. That could be, <laughs> I like your wife. I like her way of thinking. And she's amazing too. She's my backbone. She's a great judge of character because mm-hmm. our th- whole thing is a team now, you know, and part of the team is her. And so she basically like on our, we had a problem, uh, our very, our second, our second triplex. I made my biggest, dumbest mistake ever. Ooh, what so was it? I hired the wrong contractor and it <laughs> ended up costing me like 30 grand. Now, because I had found such a good deal, 
I ended up being able to cash out, you know, refinance out. And I just didn't make any money, any mm-hmm. as much money on the deals I should have. But during that time period, my wife was so willing to help out. She would go and work for free while this contractor was effing up one room. She'd go and work for free on, uh, you know, doing something else. Somewhere else in the house, she'd see something need done. She'd just start working and doing it. Well, she noticed that that contractor had a guy working for him that was really good. And she was like, that guy's really good. He will fix this. Like he just walked off the job yesterday, but you need to get a hold of him, find him. And uh, I was like, well, that's funny. He messaged me because the contractor never paid him. And he was asking me if I would pay him. And I said, and I actually told him I'd give him 50% of it. Cause I was like, I'm already out a lot on this contractor, but I don't like to see people not get paid. And he said, okay, I'll take that deal. And I understand your situation. So then when he came, I wrote him the full check of what I, what he was owed. And I said, but I want you to take this and fix this problem for me. Mm-hmm. Then he became my maintenance man and did my rehabs. And now he's added a couple people to the crew because he has to. And my wife still works for him. And she he taught her how to tr- trim out, you know, trim in flooring and lay flooring. And so now she's not just the painter that she originally started. She's starting to become a little bit of a carpenter. And she goes in two or three days a week when she feels like it. And she works and makes makes some extra money for herself. And and works really hard and helps the team. And now we have a group chat for our team. It's called Team Prairie Grass, which is our company. But he just messaged and he was like, Jess, are you coming to work tomorrow? <laughs> He's like, I could really use some help. <laughs> you know, so that's pretty awesome that uh, not only was she the backbone behind me, but she was also she was also willing to work, but she also just has incredible people skills. Like I'm spreadsheets and working the numbers mm. and and I have good, I have good communication and I can find the deals and I can negotiate the deals. But as far as recognizing, you know, you want to do business with this guy and you don't want to do business with that guy. She has that intuition, call it a female intuition or whatever it is. She has that, that I just don't have. That sounds like a good match. I mean, you it did does. well. It took you two rounds, but you did well. <laughs> I'm, I'm married up. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was a great story. Thank you so much for sharing with us. So Michael, what would you tell your 20 year old self if you could look back and just give yourself some advice? You know, some of the things I probably would have told myself was read and learn more, take classes, be willing to learn, take instruction and some, you know, obviously better financial advice. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I probably would have told myself to start doing this a lot sooner. Right now, I'm, I'm actually pushing this. I have a 15-year-old son and a 14-year-old daughter, and I'm pushing this on them. My son mowed yards for our properties, like our local properties, not mm-hmm. our big ones, but our local properties. He mowed yards for our local properties last year and saved himself up $2,000. And he was saying, you know, next year, I'm going to have enough money to buy myself a car. And I was like, well, that's very good. But what if, you know, next year, and I talked to, because my daughter was babysitting for my wife on the couple days a week that she would go in. And she's babysitting because she's 14, the younger kids. And she, she saved up $1,000. And so I was saying, well, what if you guys buy this house over here? I'm not really interested in single family houses off anymore. I have this $20,000 house. I'll sell to you. I only have 20 grand in it, but I'll sell it to you for 20 grand. You guys put $4,000 down. Um, your payment on a 20 year note with just seller financing mm-hmm. will be, uh, you know, 5% interest and in trying to lay it all out for them. Now they're pumped. They're actually going to do this with me. Oh, that's they're going amazing. to this house off me. It rents for 600, 600, 650. And the payment's only going to be 130 a month. And then I told them 
you know, don't take all that money and just cash it. I said, now build up that money, build up another summer of money. And next year, maybe buy two houses. I was like, I got six houses. After that, you got to find them on your own. But, and I will sell them all to you guys because I don't really need individual houses anymore. So, and it'll give you guys a start. So I would probably would have told myself to do something like that. You know, Mm -hmm. something in that range to just get started, be willing to start small and save money and learn how to handle money better. Well, that's amazing. I love it. I love how you kind of help them change their perspective and get them in the game as early as possible and make it fun for them, right? So it's- Yes, make make it fun so they can see it. They can see the profit. They can see the returns. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they will basically have, whether they just take a portfolio at 18, 19 years old, decide they want to do something else else with their lives, that portfolio is still going to be there. Yeah, absolutely. Managed by our property management company. We only charge them 8%, and which is essentially like a cost on that low of a rent, but still- (laughs) But yeah, it'll still be there and they'll still have that cash flow and they can decide. Now, both of them have told me they want to be real estate investors, but they can decide if they want to change their mind later on. So Yeah, I know. Absolutely. And then they can come back to my show and and be guests and tell everyone how they started investing when they were 14 <laughs> years old. <So. laughs> yes, yes, they can. <laughs> I bet that would be an interesting one. All I right. bet it will. Yeah. Well, great. Thank you so much, Michael. So where can my listeners find you? I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn. My email address, you guys can probably put in the show notes. Yep. And my phone number is 217-508-8185. I have, I've been on a couple other podcasts. So I have people that just reach out to me and I've, uh, I even have my, this was kind of cool. And I just, I love to mentor and help people out, but I even had my broker as my, I have a broker that uh, helped us get our 62 unit that we have. And so he is trying to do his own syndication because I'm the first person he'd ever met. He was a Marcus mm. Milicep broker. I'm the first person he'd ever met that was successfully doing syndication. So now he calls me as mentor and he calls me up at random just to talk about syndication and how do I do this <laughs> and how do I do that? And what do you do this? And where do you go for financing? And, you know, cause you know, you did some of these creative things and, and so, you know, I do that for people all over the country and then it ends up coming back to you because then they end up coming to you and they're like, Hey, let's partner on a deal. It's like, what do you have? Do you, I have a deal. Do you have money or do you have a money and I have a deal or whatever? And so I think it all comes back to you in the end. Yeah. And so I do quite a bit of that. I just try and schedule phone calls and some people send me emails and I enjoy it. So all right. that's just my personality. Perfect. Perfect. Well, it was a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for sharing your story. All right. Well, thank you very much. It was, I'm glad you could have me over the phone. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.